Hi. Welcome to another episode of uh, Paul on Power, Power System Design's podcast on the latest in power and power design. I'm your host, Alex Paulton. Today, I've got James Lockheed of uh, XR, and today we're just going to talk about power and power technology because we often talk about a lot of the various application spaces like smart grid and IoT and all, but there are actually some broad general trends in the power industry that are common to all of those things. Isn't that right, James? Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Alex. Uh, yeah, it definitely is. See, and so I'd like to just, maybe we could talk today, you know, just about where we are with PowerTech. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts going on right now. There are a lot of application spaces that are exploding, but there are also a lot of app spaces that are underserved. I think if we just talk about where we are, it'll give some engineers an idea like, wow, I should think about this for my application space. Sure. Well, I mean, you know, when we look at the market, you know, we look at uh, what drives the market, a lot of it comes down to where is the R&D dollars being spent today? And that tends to drive the innovation, which then turns into new technologies. So where is the R&D dollars being spent comes down to, you know, from a technology standpoint, what is driving the total technology market? You know, today you would see probably around three or four things that are really driving the technology market. Cloud computing, you know, is a big driver in the market today, mostly because of social media, you know, mobile, artificial intelligence, and they're driving applications like servers, switches, and routers. And then also on the mobile side, you have now what you call the apps on demand economy, which is essentially um, Uber and, uh, you know, different apps that provide services to you. That social media and payment services, it's what's really driving the, mo- you know, the mobile uh, area. And that means POS terminals, displays, smartphones and notepads. Then you've got the IoT, which everyone, you know, talks a lot about, which is really the wearables, the industrial sensing market. And that's driving medical devices, IoT gateways, M2M devices, drones and bots. And then you've got the green technologies, which have been around a little bit longer but it's still driving applications like solar, electric vehicles, LED lighting. So if you look at automotive and LED lighting applications, you know, that, that's, what's, that's where it's getting driven. So then you look at which companies then align themselves with those markets and start to invest from an R&D standpoint uh, in terms of what technologies are changing in those particular applications. And there's probably two or three broad things that you can talk about that are being driven in those applications. You know, simplicity is one. Um, Definitely this massive trend towards whether it be programmability, whether it be modules, whether it be USB power delivery, wireless charging, there's density challenges in all these applications and they would be, that's where you really get modules once again, but you get uh, high power regulators, high power power stages like Dr. Moss, also some of the you know, future technologies like GAN and uh, silicon carbide switching devices. And then there's intelligence, which is really monitoring telemetry and then the dynamic voltage scaling to get better efficiency. So from a high level, that's really where we see the, the technology being driven from an application standpoint. And then there, from a power market standpoint, they're the high level areas of technology or the, or the trends that are happening within those applications for power management. Got it, got it. Well, you know, and that makes all the sense in the world, James, and especially when you start thinking about it, it is all a gestalt, and it is converging rapidly. I mean, just to mention solid-state lighting, to think the fact that it is now a reality for automotive when for such a long time it was just guesswork, but the other, si- the other side of the coin is, is that as LEDs maturing enough to aggressively address these very demanding application spaces, that also means that it's free to address other demanding application spaces that previously could not be served with any lighting technology. 
Yeah, well, when you look at technologies like dimming applications, when you look at... Um, uh, it's interesting, actually, to look at the LED market that for a long time the pitch was if you have an LED that lasts 100,000 hours, uh, you know, that's going to be... Um, from a reliability standpoint, a lot better than, than some of the filament, filament uh, type of bulbs that are on the market. Now, actually, power supply designers uh, are getting crunched in LED lighting because uh, the most unreliable part of the system is actually the electrolytic capacitor, which is not lasting anywhere near 100,000 hours. Um, and, and that particular is, is something that we're doing here at... Uh, uh, at XR, where we've created this uh, essentially AC uh, step driver uh, solution, which bypasses the need to have that sort of power supply. So you can see even in LED lighting, you know, it's it's changing. If you look at companies like Cree and others that were very very small, um, you know, going back in 2003 or beginning of the you know turn of the century, uh, these companies are very large now and they're doing very well. Agreed. Again, um, now. Why don't you tell us a little bit about, I mean, I'm not asking you for a big sales pitch here, but give us an example of some of the um, products and services that you're currently offering to address these trends. So if you go back to what I said before in terms of uh, simplicity, um, you know, modules is, 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 a, is a massively growing market today. And when I say modules, I use the term in terms of, uh, you know, for a long time, I guess it began as a controller with external MOSFETs uh, and then mm-hmm. we moved to a regulator where we would integrate and have monolithic uh, either, either MCM, multi-chip module, inside a package and then moving towards a monolithic FET uh, inside one die. Uh, that was then really the regulator realm. And now we're moving to what we call modules, where you're taking the controller, the driver, uh, the MOSFETs, as well as the inductor, and integrating that all into, into one solution. And what we're seeing there is, you know, we're seeing these trends of new kids coming out of university, you know, uh, you know unless they're going to something specific like Virginia Tech or, or someplace that's well known for a degree in, in, in power supply design, um, a lot of engineers coming out these days are, uh, you know, are, are more on the digital side. So you're mm-hmm. not getting those uh, older experienced analog guys that we all love. Uh, some of those guys are retiring and they're not getting replaced. So essentially what companies are doing is they're doing two things. One, either their products are getting smaller and their marketing teams are asking them for smaller, sexier solutions. And that means they don't have the same sort of footprint that they used to have or They didn't have the mm-hmm. board space. So they need to move to these modules because... We as a, you know, XR as a semiconductor company can make these uh, modules a lot smaller than, than someone could discreetly, some of, your, uh, um, some of your fans. But if you look at the other side of the coin, you're essentially in a situation where these designers are outsourcing their power supply design. You know, when you do a power supply, uh, unless you've got 20 years of experience, you know, a lot of the challenges you have is it's because it's a system, it's a control loop. You have a lot of things, you're not just designing the controller and the FET and then that's it. You've got a lot of the magnetics, you've got the, the, the board layout, you've got EMI issues, you've got efficiency issues. There's all these other factors that come into play. So choosing the right FETs, choosing the right inductor, you know, actually getting a proper layout with the right thickness of copper um, you know, between the LX node and, 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 uh, uh, and your FETs, that mm-hmm. is the hard part of doing a power supply design. Well, by buying a module... You're essentially outsourcing that whole piece of your design. Yeah, you're probably paying a little bit more today for the modules because of the cost of the construction of integrating the inductor, but you're taking a whole headache away from uh, your design team and getting, uh, getting to uh, market faster. So we're finding a lot of digital designers who are now saying, look, I'm, I have to become a part-time power supply designer, 
and you know I don't have the experience and I don't want to go through the trial and error you know how about I buy a module from you guys where you guys have already solved all the hard problems and I just need to put it down on my board mm-hmm. agreed and that's well the other side of that coin as well is we can start getting into more of a modular design philosophy and free up engineers to do the creative side on the application circuit side with comfort in, I mean, back in the day, they would just simply circle a place on the board and say, put the power supply here, but they didn't care about efficiency. Now they desperately care about efficiency, but would still love to be able to go back to put the power supply here. You know, exactly. I mean, I mean, engineering forever has been this, right? I mean, if you look at, as you integrate more and more, um, that's essentially what you're doing. You're building on knowledge of people who've come before you. And, you know, that, that, and, this, and this is just another, another step in that. So, yeah, I agree with that for sure. Sweet. Now, James, um, how about some other aspects? Let's look forward a little bit. Do you see any big trends that the uh, design community should be aware of that you see and you would like to make us aware of or warn us of or however you'd like to encourage us? It's up to you. You tell me. Well, I think I think there's two main trends. Um, you know, there's probably others. We're looking at things like USB power delivery. We're looking at we're looking at wireless charging. They're things that you know, as as a company, we need to you know look at and understand those technologies and, and prepare for them. And, and we have uh, uh, things that we're doing to do that. But in terms of you know, let's say in the next you know five years, what I what I see is probably a really uh, growing trend. Is I think the the module market, which is probably a you know two hundred and fifty million dollar market today. Um, you know, it's really going to grow, I think, tremendously. It's already been sitting on a, um, a CAGR, right, a, a compounded annual growth rate of around 30%, you know, in the last uh, five years. And I don't think that's going to change from, from what we're seeing. So that was one of the reasons we just released our new 79120, or it's about to come out, about to hit the wire, uh, which is essentially a, a 12 by 14 by 4 millimeter uh, uh, module that um, is going to get you 90% efficiency from 12 volts in, 1.8 volt out at 500 kilohertz. And that's a 20 amp synchronous cot, uh, constant on time uh, module with integrated FETs and integrated inductor. That's a big achievement we've been able to do. We've also moved away from what the traditional market does with LGAs and having you know costly fa- uh, fabrication processes and, and, and issues with yield. We've, we've gone in that direction where we've moved towards a QFN-based type solution. So you can um, board fault on the design. You can actually debug a board a lot better than you could with, a, with an LGA type solution. You also get better thermal performance when you're using a, a QFN because you're using a standard lead frame rather than a substrate. So the, you know, the power is able to dissipate down onto the board a lot better. Um, so that's definitely one trend. Modules is, 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 is a big trend. The other one is probably um, when I talked about intelligence. You know, intelligence in terms of monitoring, telemetry, and dynamic voltage scaling, this is also another big trend. And it was interesting, you know, five years ago, you know, we, we essentially bought products out probably seven to eight years ago in this space. And for the first couple of years with these products, I would walk into customers and have to really educate them uh, as much as I could around the benefits of um, programmability, we would call. No one really cares today whether it's an analog control loop with a digital interface or a digital control loop with a digital interface. No one's really mm-hmm. worried about how it's done inside. They really just want what they really want is the is the usability of programmability. So, I remember going back, uh, you know, probably five years ago, we would spend an hour explaining to a customer the benefits of that. Whereas these days, today, we're walking into customers, and customers are telling us that you know, one of the requirements they have is programmability. So that to them, meaning things like dynamic voltage scaling, so that they can, uh, for example. 
you know, in certain modes, they might be able to run, uh, you know, a processor at uh, 0.9 volts. And then when certain things in the chip are not being used, maybe they're able to, you know, downgrade that to 0.8 uh, or 0.7 or 0.6. And then they're able to, you know, reduce the power consumption of their device, obviously with voltage times current. Uh, any type of voltage drop that you can get there for a certain period of time is going to have savings. Things like multifunction printers that sit against the wall for, um, you know, all day and are probably only mm -hmm. on for about, you know, two two hours a day. So those those type devices have about five different levels of shutdown modes. Um, and you need to be able to do dynamic voltage scaling to, you know, hit some sort of energy star efficiencies, which are an average power use over a certain period of time. You know, the other piece of intelligence is the monitoring and telemetry where um, you've got essentially systems wanting to know more about what's happening in their system. You know, a perfect example there would be, you know, some of the things that's happening in the server space where, you know, uh, there's, a, there's a massive market that has been grown over the years in what we would call um, the environmental uh, aspect of the data center, which is measuring temperature and et cetera. And some smart people in the server space have figured out you know, why do I have to spend, why do these data centers need to spend millions and millions of dollars in doing environmental management of their system when, hey, you know, if uh, I know it's going to get hotter because if I'm pumping more power through my power regulators, I can tell you it's going to get hotter. So if I can measure what's happening with the power regulators up front, maybe I can take uh, certain routines from, you know, one blade server and move it to another blade server. You know, the old days it used to be you would get what they would call you know, these hotspots by rack, and they would measure the power at the PDU or the power distribution unit at the bottom of, or the top of a rack. Um, you know, these days, they'll be able to move things around in one rack from, you know, one server to another server because they're able to get this intelligence from the power supply system telling them what's happening, um, you know, how much, how much voltage is being, is being driven. And that's one of the devices we released, the, the, the 7725, um, the XRP7725, which essentially measures the output current every millisecond for about 500 milliseconds and stores the data within the device. And a processor can come and pull that data out, retrieve that data. So we're essentially our power regulator is keeping uh, data on how much power is going through the device. And the processor can go and pull that data out of its memory and then utilize that in any way it wants to for its end system. Very nice. Well, and that's, those are, those are some of the things when you think that's true virtualization, true flexibility, true um, empowerment, and it's nice to see power, power technology, power infrastructure being finally recognized as a true enabling infrastructure technology to enable better systems. Well, you're right, and what's interesting is it's, you know, who's doing it is uh, it's actually sometimes the new breed uh, engineers who are actually software engineers. Um, so, you know, for years, a power supply designer would just get beaten up every year on having to improve from, you know, 90% efficient to 91% efficient to 92% efficient. Um, and it used to be, you know what, power, you know, the old saying is power needs to be, uh, take up no space, be for free, and last forever. Um, <laughs> today, now you've got software engineers saying, you know, if this is an intelligent system, I can actually pull some of this data, and then maybe I can add some value in my end system. Maybe I can do something about this to have a very intelligent system. We had a customer who, for example, was making... Um, uh, video cameras and they're very interesting they had 30 different video cameras if you bought a video camera uh, when I say video camera I mean security cameras you know long-range right. security cameras and if they had one for you know in cold cold environments they had a certain 
heating element so that when a when when the uh, the lens uh, uh, frosted over, they needed to heat that lens so they can continue to see. Um, in other environments, they needed uh, motor control so uh, the the security camera could could you know turn left to right very fast. Um, and they had to make too many different standards, too many different video cameras. And what they did is they implemented a very, very intelligent system um, by using one of our devices, the um, uh, actually the new XR77129, uh, which is one of the first ever 40-volt uh, digital power devices, our universal PMIC, um, which takes in 25, 24, can convert from 24 volts because you can go up to 40 volts input uh, in a mm-hmm. machine. So that's the first in the market that does that. But they're able to use that device, and then with their software system, you know, for example, if they needed to turn on power for a heating element, then they would reduce the amount of power that would be delivered to the motor control, meaning that the motor control turning the, uh, the, the camera left to right would reduce that power so it could only move back and forth at half speed. Um, that way, what they did was they were able to manage their whole power budget so that when someone turned and used everything on in one go, they wouldn't go beyond the power budget of the system. So they actually had a software system and a lot of code that actually talked to our device and actually monitored that and allowed it to do certain things in certain configurations. And, and that's probably one of the a good examples, I guess, I could use of where people really starting to use, you know, programmable or digital power and how they're using it to add value in their end systems. I agree completely. And, I w- you know, James, I would love to go into the whole aspect of that as well, um, but unfortunately, this is a podcast, and we have a little bit of a time constraint. So we're going to have to drag you back on the show so we can talk about that, because frankly, that's a whole another conversation. But for now, uh, I'd like to give you the opportunity. I always give my guests the opportunity to have the last word in my show, so it could be a little bit more about the product or something about the market or just a tip for our audience. But the floor is yours. Well, thanks. You know, I, I, I think really the last word is, I mean, I, I think your audience knows a lot more about, uh, um, you know, power supply. If you take the combined knowledge, you have a lot more uh, understanding and, and uh, knowledge than I do. So, you know, at XR, we're really keen for, uh, um, you know, customers to reach out to us, you know, work through and use our technologies uh, and then talk to us and, um, and, uh, and we can talk to them about what products they need in the future and, and what sort of requirements they have. Um, I think really, if you look at what we've done, is aligned ourselves in terms of two large trends, which is intelligence and simplicity and density, which is really about programmable devices um, as well as uh, modules integra- integrating inductors. You know, that's two large trends. And there are others we can talk about another day, but they are the really two largest trends that we see right now that are, that are not just in the future. They're happening now. If people aren't using those in their designs today, something they really want to consider. Agreed, agreed, James. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. And like I said, we will drag you back. But for now, I'm going to have to unfortunately let you go. No worries. Thanks, Alex. The pleasure is mine. And I'd like to thank everybody out there in the audience for taking the time to be with us. We wouldn't be here without you. Tell your friends. This is Alex Paltz for Paltz on Power. Have a great day.